This is your host Shane with another exciting episode of Radical Rocks. Today we're going to talk about jaspers, geodes, thunder eggs, fossil wood, fossil agate, unlimited energy source, and so much more. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. First thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock of no name, felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks, cause radical rocks are everywhere. Yes, they are. Radical rocks are everywhere. We're going to talk about rocks from Oregon. Um, We might talk a little bit about Utah. We're going to talk about a gold mine out in uh, New Mexico. We will talk about uh, some royalty and their new jewelry. We're going to talk about onyx. We are going to talk about an unlimited clean energy source, just mind-blowing, where to dig up fossilized fish. And so much more, guys. I want to thank you all for tuning in, for liking and subscribing. Um, Subscribing really helps us uh, get our numbers out there and get the podcast out there. Also, I want to thank all those that uh, have been subscribing to the YouTube channel. Just look up Radical Rocks. Um, We've had like 100 people sign up for subscription last week, so something's going on. Um, Also, uh, thank you for checking us out on our social media We're on uh, a lot of different social media apps. You just look up Radical Rocks and we'll pop up on MeWe. We've got a really good presence there. We've got uh, about 5,000 members. And then on uh, Facebook, I think we have about four or 5,000 there as well. Um, That, I think, is about it for the uh, kind of promotional type stuff. So let's get right into it without any further ado. Um, gemstone collecting, how to start. A lot of you have been doing it already, so we're going to be real brief on this. If you want more information on it, go to uh, MorningsideMaryland.com and look up Gemstone Collection 101. Here's how to start by Shabanyu, and she tells us how to start um, 101. Uh, there's so many different things you could do. But uh, starting small is always a good idea. Choosing your gems wisely. Do a little research. Find out which ones are good. Um, Gemstones are a little different when you go with your precious gemstones, things that are a little bit more expensive, things that you would see maybe faceted in a a jewelry show uh, or a jewelry shop, you know, where you're going to pay... A premium, you're probably going to pay a hundred to a thousand percent markup on those jewels. So why not get into uh, a rock, gem, and mineral club that does faceting? And uh, even if you don't facet, you might meet someone there that can help you get faceted stones or set faceted stones and save a lot of money. I mean, diamonds, opals, sapphires, rubies, emeralds, garnets, topaz. Those are just a few of over a hundred categorized gemstones. Uh, 16 of them are marked as high importance. We've just touched on a few. 
but we've talked about that in the past too. All of the rare gemstones and semi or the precious gemstone family. But uh, building your collection, this would be it could be for jewelry or it could just be loose gemstones without being set in any silver or gold or anything like that. So start off small. I would say, you know, look at the gem shows. If you want them faceted, of course, you're going to pay a little bit more. Aquamarine is a great place to start. It's in the Burl family. It's a cousin of Emerald. And um, so you can get Aquamarine already faceted, I guess, uh, according to this article, about $300 to $600 per carat. I know you can buy a lot more in the rough if you shop and go to the gym and mineral shows that are hosted by Rock Gym and Mineral Clubs, okay? Uh, some of the other gems that they talk about that could be good to collect are turquoise, carnelia, agate, and onyx. You want to make sure you're really getting a high-quality stone if you're going to be doing this as an investment. So stick with our show. We talk about some of the rare stuff. They talk about putting it in a beautiful showcase, so that's a great idea. Um, of course, if you've got these really super precious gemstones, you might not want to uh, keep them out in the open where they could get easily taken. They might need to go in a safe, um, especially if your gemstone collection starts to become worth thousands of dollars. That's where you really start to think, hmm, I don't know if I want to just leave these out in the open. Okay, I want to talk about something that is very exciting. I may have talked about this a long time ago. Um, a unlimited clean energy source. But this discovery is a little bit different. A long time ago, I talked about a scientific study. I believe it's being done in Sweden underground. Maybe it's Switzerland, I forget. But it's called the Sapphire Project. And what they do with the Sapphire Project is they simulate the sun. And they've done all kinds of experiments. All kinds of patents have come out of this. Well, according to LiveMint.com, the article entitled, the U.S. finds source of unlimited, comma, clean power to end reliance on fossil fuels. They, here in the U.S., at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, have conducted an experiment, uh, an experiment and produced energy from fusion. Um, this is like a, we'll call it a cold fusion. Not that it's cold temperature-wise, but it does not produce all this nuclear waste um, that you have associated with normal nuclear power, which is fusion, nuclear fusion or fission, uh, when you get into more of the details and find out what fusion and fission really are. Interesting topic. But this is rocks and gems, not science class. And I'm not a scientist in any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm just involved in the science of life, I guess, and enjoying rocks and minerals. But what they have done is found clean energy from this. Uh, they have their own little miniature sun here. And it is obviously a huge breakthrough, uh, breakthrough. They haven't developed it to the point where they're going to be, you know, replacing the nuclear plants and stuff like that. But having accomplished this with uh, two light hydrogen um, 
atoms to form one heavier helium atom, there it's able to release a huge amount of energy. Uh, the sun is an example of that type of fusion or fission. Also, that happens in stars. Um, on Earth, fusion reactions can be provoked by heating hydrogen to extreme temperatures inside specialized devices to create an unlimited source of energy and end the dependence on fossil fuels. Researchers used a massive national ignition facility, 192 ultra-powerful lasers all pointed at a thimble-sized cylinder filled with hydrogen. Fusion is carbon-free during operation, poses no risk of nuclear disaster, and produces much less radiation waste. So I guess there is still some. Uh, but it's considered a cold fission because of not being, you know, this really highly toxic uh, radioactive waste. It said that uh, this is still a long way before it's in industrial scale, but many advanced science and technology developments are still needed to accomplish an affordable uh, device to power homes and businesses but at least this is the first step to know they can do it um, this isn't going to be the kind of radiation fusion that uh, will destroy you know huge massive areas of population this will be more like you know there's a lot of radioactivity that goes through hospitals a lot of people don't know that most hospitals before they throw their trash away they have to scan it because they have so much radioactivity that sometimes they accidentally throw it into the trash um, and it doesn't get discarded as it properly should because you can't just throw away radioactive material into the trash. It's dangerous for the environment. It's dangerous for the people who handle it. All right, had to get a swig of coffee. I wanted to share that with you guys because I thought it was good news. I know it is um, kind of not really rocks, minerals, and gems, but it is associated with minerals um, and substances. And energy, I think, um, you know, is uh, something we all care about. And when and it's related to mining and digging and um, having a lot of waste and things like that. So I thought it would be good to share that with you. I hope you appreciate it. If not, let me know. You know, the podcast now you can actually leave comments on podcasts, uh, but I don't know why you would not want to go and join one of our social medias and contact us that way, but whatever makes you happy. All right, Rock Museum rolling along in Seaward at uh, 1011 numbersnow.com. You can read about this new Rock Museum. They've got a video there. Um, Joan... Vanderford tells us all about this uh, new museum in uh, Nebraska, and it's at a place called, I guess it's Seaward, it's, or maybe it's Seward, it's S-E-W-A-R-D, and it's at the Concordian University. They've got 75 displays of minerals, agates, fossils, all kinds of stuff, very close to Iowa too, I guess. Is that what it says? I think it says that. I'm not going to read the whole thing. If you want to check it out, check it out. If you want information on the museum, you can call 402-643-3651.
Nobody that I talk about today is sponsoring the show in any way, shape, or form. I'm not endorsing them. I'm just sharing the information with you um, that I find, and you do your research accordingly. Giant wombats the size of small cars once roamed Australia. According to Laura Basasa, she tells us at Pross, uh, it's popscience, P-O-P-S-C-I dot com. You can find out all about it. They got a picture of this wombat here. Looks like a big giant capybara. If you know what a capybara is, those are in South America. They're one of the largest rodents around. But the wombats are actually related to the marsupials. They're not entirely convinced that this creature is um, directly related, but they know it's closely related. And they found this huge head uh, in Australia, of course, home of most marsupials. And they said this baby is very close to the ancestor of a wombat. And they believe that uh, they were about the size of a small automobile. Unbelievable. Let's see if there's any more names of anybody here to give credit to. Mm, Don't see it. Don't see it. And they say it was alive not that long ago. They're not trying to go back billions and billions of years. They're just going back a few few thousands or tens of thousands of years, which for the scientific community, that's pretty amazing that they don't go, oh, it was 50 billion years ago. So, all right, next. Where to find fish fossils. Okay, we're still going to talk about sunstone. We're going to talk about fossilized agate. We're going to talk about jasper, geodes, thunder eggs, fossil wood, obsidian, sunstones, onyx, and so much more. So hang in there. We got a lot of good stuff for everybody today. But you can find fish fossils according to Rock and Jim magazine. Go to rock, the letter in gym.com. You can subscribe to their email. You can get these great emails too for free. Um, and I highly recommend you subscribe to their magazine. And I am not getting paid to say that. Um, you need a hammer, chisels, maybe some brushes, a little patience. And you can find them all over. There's a book, Where to Find Fossil Fish, um, if you want to look that up. Um, they will give you many locations. Always double check. There's Pay to Dig Place in Kermermer, Kermermer, K-E-M-M-E-R-E-R, Wyoming. Pay to Dig. And they've got these beautiful fossilized fish on these uh, tan... Uh, plates, the silk that the fish kind of died in, were layered into the silk, and it's tan to white. I think the white looks really cool, but the tan's pretty nice too. The fossils of the fish are usually kind of a brown or tan, but sometimes they can go darker all the way to black, depending on um, where you find them. But this area is in the Fossil Butte National Monument, um, where there's a lot of fossils nearby. But you want to go to that uh, pay dig. Also, there's another site called the Warfield Quarry, known online as Fossil Safari. And uh, they have a link here to the American Quarry. So these are places you can go that they say are pay to dig. And you can get all these different fossils. They explain the Green River Formation. They discover how the site was made. They talk about where to find the fish and how to dig this up. 
Um, you want to get these blocks of limestone and kind of uh, look for a spot to chisel them open and hopefully you will get a nice, um, a nice shape of some uh, fish. Also, they found a crocodile tooth in one of these. So it's, you could find other things. Sometimes there's a snail, sometimes you never know what you might find. So pretty cool, even some plants can be found that have spectacular details. Sometimes you might find a bird or a reptile or a turtle um, or even a small crocodile. Now these other animals are much harder and rarer to find, but uh, you know, if you, don't, if you don't start looking, a stingray, they got a beautiful stingray here. Can you imagine that? That'd be pretty cool. Um, they actually have the outline of it. You can actually see even where the fins came out, the tail with the stinger, all that is visible in the fossil that they have here on this site. So go check that out. Pretty cool. All right, onyx. Let's talk about onyx. Onyx is awesome. Now, there are onyxes. If you are in the, um, the West Coast area, especially the deserts, um, from anywhere from, you know, Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, California. Um, I don't know, maybe as far up as Oregon, not sure. But the desert areas, a lot of times we find stuff that we call onyx and because it's layered. And it's not really a true onyx. It is um, chalcedony or, uh, not chalcedony, it's calcite or uh, a carbonite type mineral that has deposited in layers. And it's usually softer. So we have like a silver onyx that we find up in Calico, California, um, and it's actually not a true onyx. But true onyx, according to Brenda Coles at nerdsmagazine.com, she tells us and shows us some beautiful examples of true onyx. Onyx as a gemstone. She tells us how to buy onyx rings, bracelets, necklaces, tips on buying and wearing onyx, um, and some other things that we'll go into, like the colors of onyx. She talks about the etiquette, etiquette of wearing it um, and what time or situation. Examples of qualities of onyx jewelry and then her conclusion. But onyx as a gemstone is characterized typically by black and white bands. That is kind of the old historical uh, thought and vision you would have when you think of an onyx. Now there's uh, I believe it's called Chardonyx, and that is uh, from the Middle East, very biblical, very uh, Middle Eastern, very, very popular, and very collectible uh, in the world, where it will have reds to orange bandings um, that are quite striking, too, that make it quite beautiful. It's very popular for making jewelry, it takes a great polish, very durable, about seven on the hardness scale. You cut that into cabochons or beads. You can use it for rings, earrings, pennants, displays, uh, whatever jewelry you want. And uh, it is an ancient stone used in jewelry from times of antiquity. When shopping for jewelry, you want to make sure the gemstone can vary greatly with quality. So take a look at it. Um, you know, maybe scratch your fingernail on it a little bit. And uh, look, look at it with a magnifying glass. Look for cracks and chips if you're going to be paying a premium. Some colors of onyx that are available, traditional black and white, every shade in between, brown, red, blue, gray, 
Um, banding, sometimes there could be banding. Bandings are desirable. They could be straight, curved, forming patterns, pictures. Unique gemstone found in different locations around the world, including Brazil, Madagascar, Russia, and of course, uh, the USA, so and other places. It's, it's all over. So if you're paying top dollar, make sure it's real, um, and so on and so forth. So check out Onyx Jewelry. Definitely worth happening. Mississippi gemstone on display at the Orin Dunn Museum in Mississippi in the United States. Leisha uh, Falconer tells us all about it. Um, you can go there and check out these gemstones if you want. Mississippi, they've got the exhi uh, exhibit there at the Orin Dunn City Museum. There is plans to uh, increase this. They've got a geologist who um, has lectures on rocks and fossils from the Tupelo slash Lee County areas. Uh, North Mississippi Gem and Mineral Society's Fossil Roadshow and Geology Fest uh, is something you will want to see. And then uh, it's all uh, a yearly type of thing, but you can always check out the, uh, the museum. The Mississippi... Uh, Geological Society is also um, part of this whole whole deal. They've got the examples of the state myriads of fossils that are found throughout Mississippi. Um, they talk about the varieties of shells, sharks, other things that have been located there, as well as opal off the bluffs overlooking the Mississippi River in Claiborne County. So that's cool. Um, what else have they got there? A deposit of uh, opal in Claiborne County has no gemstone to speak of. Typically, another deposit of gemstone similar to those found in neighboring central Louisiana to Vernon Parish have also been undergone and confirmed that opal is the only gemstone ever found within the borders of the Magnolia State. So there's some more information for you there. Um, what else? The club. Uh, Mississippi's gemstone is opal. There has been nominated as, the, uh, as their state gemstone. So I don't see any more information. The legislation will be called on January 3rd, 2023. So they'll probably adopt that. That sounds like a good idea. And then that will become the state's official gemstone by spring. So pretty cool. We'll keep up with that. St. George News. This is about Utah. Rock hounding in southern Utah. What you need to know. Um, Alicia Lundegring tells us about it at the St. George News uh, magazine. And it says St. GeorgeUtah.com is what the website reads if you want to look it up. They've got a video there, but they also tell us quite a bit about rock hounding, um, how to get started, how to be prepared. We've talked about that, so be sure and do all your safety, the rock hammers, the tools, the etiquette. Um, and then they go into uh, some of the rules. This could change, so keep up to date. It's on BLM land. You can collect up to 25 pounds plus one piece of petrified wood per day with a maximum 
of 250 pounds per person per year. Um, pretty cool. Reasonable quantities, common invertebrate fossils like mollusk trilobites for personal use. It says if uh, you suspect you have found a vertebrae fossil, contact your BLM office, take a picture of the specimen, and you should not pick it up, they say. All right, so you wouldn't want to get in trouble. Finding a site, they give a recommendation on how to find a site. Um, they've got some websites here that will tell you about the geological found, uh, formations, and uh, they talk about books. There is a site, uh, or a part of the site, Utah Geological Survey, and then they have a section called the Utah Rockhounder, where you can look up some of these areas. Now, shells are very popular here. Marine fossils located near Cedar City, uh, Utah, and uh, so those can be found there. They've got quite a few nice pictures of some shells. They've also got a little... Um, uh, snail here from the Crystal Peak area, Millard County, Utah, and um, they don't know the date. They've got some snowflake obsidian here that was collected from the Black Rock Desert in Millard County, Utah. Also, we've got some Wonderstone, which uh, to me looks like a rhyolite. It's kind of banded reds and uh, tan to light colors. This can be collected in the Vernon Hills, Toile County. It's T-O-O-E-L-E -E in Utah um, and other areas. They show you how the Rock Hounder website works. It actually puts little pinpoints all over that you can delve into and look at a deeper level of where some of these findings will be. Looks like some red jasper there. Deep red agate. Uh, collected at the Moab area, Grand County, Utah. So there's some something to be found there. A nice red, uh, it looks like jasper, but they're calling it an agate. Uh, more gemstones that can be found there. Um, and Andesite landscape rock available for collecting at the community pit. Managed by the Bureau of Land Management, Losee Los County, L-O-S-E-E, -E, Garfield County, Utah. So it looks like there's a couple areas um, that you can check that out if you want some landscaping rock. That's also available. So how cool is that, right? Um, more landscape rock. Hmm, they've got several pictures here. They've got uh, rare... Bix, Bixbite mineral specimen collected from the Topez Mountain in Joba County, J-U-A-B County. They have um, trilobite fossil, beautiful dark trilobite found from the Antelope Mountain, Millard County. So there's all sorts of opportunities here in Utah. Um, and, you know, it's not an overpopulated state for the most part. Uh, but there is plenty of services in most areas, not too far. So that's definitely worth checking out. Beatrice. Uh, Princess Beatrice wears a vintage engagement ring worth up to 
I think it's lires, maybe it's pounds because they're English, so I'm going to say pounds. 140,000, I'm guessing pounds, uh, is what it's worth. Royal fans are in love. Uh, you can go to express.co.uk and look this up. Anna Berry tells us all about it. Um, she's got a video here. They've got some pictures of Princess uh, Beatrice here. She's getting ready to tie the knot. Uh, it's going to be um, at the All Saints Royal Lodge in Windsor. And it says she looked sensational. Maybe it's already happened. But uh, they got pictures of her rings there. And um, it uh, it's a nice-looking diamond. It's a six-claw round diamond. It takes center stage. Looks to be about three carats, probably in the highest of quality. Round diamond, shoulders two tapered baguettes, which give the ring a vintage feel and Art Deco-inspired look. For added sparkle, the ring also features small pavé diamonds halfway around the band. And yes, it looks quite nice on her hand. So uh, we know the royals there in uh, England are quite fond of their beautiful um, gemstones that they have. Now, let's talk about a gold mine for a minute before we get into that list of other semi-precious gemstones that we talked about. The sunstone, the jasper, the geodes, the thunder eggs, obsidian, sunstone, and more. Let's talk about the Governor Mineral Property. Our friends at Gold Rush Expeditions, um, again, not sponsors of the show, they tell us about the Sierra Caballo Mining District in Sierra County, New Mexico. This is a 60-acre load property. Um, quite beautiful landscape in the area. You know, desert, but uh, rugged, but beautiful. They are selling this... Um, Looks like uh, just under $37,000, but this area was known for fluorescent uh, or fluorite, which, which will fluorescent. There is some there. The property sits uh, at the Paloma Gap in New Mexico's Sierra Caballo Range with a handful of America's most significant fluorite producers. The Governor Mineral property um, has always been an important to mining. Gold placers in the area were worked by Mexican and Spanish miners back in the 1500s. Although the site is likely older, Native Americans valued the range's brilliant blue copper deposits and likely worked the area for copper in ancient times. In 1886, miners discovered copper, silver, and gold deposits in the area and on the Governor Mineral property. They developed it, the site by 1904 by cutting through thick layers of calcite and fluorite to reach the metal deposits that increased in depth. Fluorite was not very valuable, so there's probably a lot of it around, but by 1934, um, fluorite outweighed the return on both copper and silver. Today, fluoride is still highly valuable. Synthetic fluoride, which is commonly sold at mineral shows and crystal shops, has only driven the price of natural fluoride higher. Excellent quality raw fluoride samples can sell for more than $5,000 a pound, so they say. And because this mine is located in the sunny southern New Mexico, the property can be mined for gems year-round with proper permitting. So that sounds pretty exciting. 
Gold Rush Expeditions. Um, pretty neat uh, company. They have some pretty cool videos on um, their, uh, their going in and surveying the claims and doing the drone flyover and going inside and even analyzing some of the minerals. Pretty cool. So next, we're going to talk about Oregon. Oregon has so many gemstones. We're going to talk about all these different gemstones that I've been touting since the beginning of the show. Nine beautiful types of rocks in Oregon. A to Z animals.com, written by Heather Hall. She tells us and goes into how to start collecting rocks. Uh, we talk about that a lot. We're not going to cover that now. What kind of rocks you can find in Oregon. Um, a whole bunch of them, obviously. The landscape and geology for Oregon is varied and allowed for a lot of beautiful agates with distinct color bands and jaspers with reddish hues and patterns, geodes, colorful crystals inside, thunder eggs with gray exterior, obsidian, which is the lava, the glass from lava, opals of different forms, fossilized wood and trees and other animals, uh, feldspar, which uh, can have copper in it, which was first discovered in 1881 in Harney County, Central Oregon. So let's get right into it. They talk about the rules and regulations. Um, they basically tell you to go look it up. We just talked about what the BLM requires. Sunstone, that, if you know Oregon, sunstone is one of the first things you think of. This is a uh, feldspar type mineral. And uh, plush is an area that is a great spot to find them. Some of them contain copper. The darker they are, um, the rarer they are. And uh, yellow ambers are also beautiful as well. A sunstone will appear darker um, with more copper in it. And you can go check it out in plush areas. All right. Now, there's also agate, banded agates of all type, beautiful. We've talked about agate extensively. You can find this all over Oregon at many different spots. Um, we talked about the mineral composition of that many times. Um, also, agate can be found in thunder eggs and geodes. They have concentric layers with brightly colored centers around bands of white, gray, red, and black. So this is very popular. Moss agate, where it looks like moss is in there, very three-dimensional looking. Green patterns resembling plants. Eyed agates, or, you know, with uh, orbs in it. Circular rings. Fortified agates. If you don't know what fortification is, these are the, the really cool banded gemstones that are like a geode, but they typically have uh, three sides. They can't have more, but... Uh, like a fortification has to have at least three sides, like a teepee, right? That's the only way you can make a structure or a fortification. But these fortified agates are very collectible, distinctive bands, layered um, formations, similar, similar to those seen on castle walls, they say. Um, all right, what else we got here? The most common type of agate, they say, in Oregon is thunder eggs, round orbs that you can find. And we talked about some of the things that can be seen in those. Fossilized agate, this has shells, snails, and the long, thin snails. I forget what they're called, but um, 
This is beautiful, takes a good polish. It is kind of a uh, brown with the shells appearing mostly white and um, very popular. I've sold a lot of this, uh, sold a couple of these, not from Oregon, but from another area um, on my Etsy site. And um, they're very popular. And if you want to go to my Etsy site, it's Radical Rocks USA. And I have some uh, mineral, mineral specimens and a few really nice slabs that are um, pretty rare and hard to come by if you want to check that out. All right, what else? Clams, snails, all these things that were engulfed um, in lava or in uh, other types of mineral agate or chalcedony. Jasper, you can find some beautiful red jaspers and other colors. It takes a good polish, nice to work with. All kinds of varieties of quartz found in Oregon. Spotted, molted, um, striped, uh, multicolored. It primarily consists of chalcedony with iron, iron oxides. Other impurities create unique color combinations that give you yellow, brick red, molted green, and rarely blue. Um, let's see what else we got here. Geodes. Geodes can be found in many different sizes and shapes and great variety in Oregon. Um, some of it has an interior that contains deposits of amethyst. A lot of them have quartz crystals. They can even have opal or zeolite. Geodes can be found in many different sizes and shapes with a uh, a lot of variety in color depending on the minerals and they look just like an ugly old roundish kind of rock um, but once you crack them open or cut them open and I have videos on how to cut them open different ways you can cut them open so check that out you can find many different ways to crack open a geode we go through everything from a hammer to a dremel to uh, a tile saw to an angle grinder all kinds of things so check that out and thunder eggs these are like geodes, but they are solid uh, with the agate. There's uh, several of them are doubles where they're stuck together, a double thunder egg. So I've seen triples where three of them are stuck together in a row and uh, have beautiful patterns in the center of each one of them. Sometimes the patterns can look like animals or landscape or um, just be pretty, you know, and look uh, unusual. Sometimes they're duds, you know, and there's not really a great pattern. There's nothing really wonderful in them. But some of these thunder eggs uh, are usually found to be about two to six inches in diameter, but they found some that are three feet long and weigh over a ton. So there's all different sizes um, that you can use from display pieces to pieces that can be used um, for jewelry or otherwise. Fossilized wood found in Arizona. Beautiful browns uh, whites, and uh, it is an agatized wood. It is impregnated with uh, silicon. The silica is a replacement. As the wood would rot, the silica would go in there, and it looks like a tree, but it is stone. Uh, sometimes it can contain opal, and uh, other fossils can also be opalized or agatized or um, replaced with a silica, which they call silicified. And I think that is about it on that for the, the obsidian. 
Obsidian can be found in uh, Arizona or in uh, Oregon, rather, at the Glass Butte Obsidian in Lake County, southeastern um, Oregon. I have some obsidian from here. It's a great place to collect. It was open years ago. It is an igneous rock, which is basically volcanic um, glass. So if you break it, it will chip and fracture, and it is razor sharp. That's why the Native Americans use these for arrows. Obsidian can range from greens to blues to purples to rainbows to golden sheen, silver sheen, um, all sorts of things. So check that out, Lake County, southeastern um, Oregon. Opal is another thing that can be found. It is distributed in Oregon. Of course, you can find it all over, Nevada, Arizona, California. Um, there's even opal here in Idaho. Opal is porous, glassy rock. Um, it can include white, yellowish brown, blue, green, red, orange hues due to the presence of iron and other impurities, widely distributed through Oregon. There uh, is hard to find precious fire opal in Oregon, but it does happen. But uh, you can find some nice pieces in Morrow County, uh, Opal Butte. And uh, it says a lot of areas are closed off for public access. Fire opals are quite unique due to their colorful hue and refraction. But you know what? I don't know where these areas are, but look around. Maybe there's a, an area that's open. Maybe there's a wash below the closed off area. If you want to do some research here, you might find something cool. Um, there might be an area where you could find something. Okay? That's, that's up to you to do your due diligence. All right. I think we have covered it all. Um, I want to thank you guys for sticking with me to the end. Uh, thank you for your liking and subscribing and sharing. I appreciate it. The audience has been growing a little bit. I'd like to get uh, get up to 1,000 subscribers on the podcast. So if you could pass that on, I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die. They, that's right, petrify. <laughs>